Ajnulam-bita-bhujo-kanaka-vadato-sankitanayako-pitaro-kamalaya-takso-vishvambaro-dvijavaro-yugadharma-palo. Bande jagat priyakaro karuna bhutaro He Krishna karuna sindo dinabandu jagat pate Gopisha gopika kantarara kantanamustute Tapta kanchana gurangi radhe brindabhanishwari Prashabhanu sute devi pranamami hari priye Shri Guri Vaishnav Guru Parampara ki jai परिणाम प्रभु की जाए गिराज गोवडाम की जाए राशि ऐसी भक्ति विदांत स्वामी प्रभु पाद की जाए बोल प्रेमानंदे हरिओ वेलकम एवरीवन सो वेरी नाइस टू बी हियर विद यू लिटिल सन कमिंग यू नॉट टू कोल्ड हां गुड so today is the Thirubhava, or the disappearance day of Srila Prabhupada, who left the world in 1977 at this, on this date. And we're commemorating the Govardhan Puja, which occurs this week, during a weekday, when most of you couldn't come. Govardhan Puja is the, is the celebration that commemorates the, the Leela, in which Sri Krishna lifted the Govardhan Hill. And many, many wonderful points can be drawn from that, that, uh, we can uh, take advantage of and apply in our life to make spiritual advancement from such that if we do it well enough and with patience and over time we can actually enter into and perceive those leelas of Krishna that are eternally taking place. Where are they taking place? There are many different ways that this has been discussed uh, how to understand the eternality of Krishna Leela, but one way, one nice way of thinking about it is that all of these Leelas are being contemplated by Krishna's devotees over and over again. So somewhere in some devotee's heart, one Leela or another is always manifest. <coughs> and one day they will be manifest in our hearts also. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who's show him the way to enter into Krishna Lila by his example and who's given wonderful precepts to Rupa Goswami, Sanatana Goswami, about which they've written uh, in their books and about whom Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami has written. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was a, as related by Krishna Das Kaviraj in his famous Chaitanya Charitamrita, went to Vrindavan, and there he had the darshan of Govardhan Hill. And he paid his dandavat pranam to the Giraj Govardhan, and uh, he cited a beautiful verse, verse from Srimad Bhagavatam, 21st chapter of the 10th canto of Srimad Bhagavatam, a poem, a song, really, and it was sung by uh, Sri Radha. 
And in citing that verse and singing that song, he offered his regards further to the hill of Govardhan and <coughs> reminded us, us of the uh, significance of Govardhana. There, with the voice of Radha, he glorified Giridaj Govardhana as Haridas Barja. Haridas Barja means the best of Hari's servants. The merciful Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur commented on this verse and related to us, see his deep study of Srimad Bhagavatam, that in three other, two other places in Bhagavatam, <coughs> excuse me, this term Haridas has been uh, uh, used in reference to two other devotees, to Yudhisthira Maharaj and to Uddhava. But here, in this instance, Haridas Barja means the best of Hari's servants. Hari, incidentally, is a favorite name for Krishna, that uh, the inhabitants of Vrindavan in his eternal lila like to invoke. Hari means to steal, of course, he who steals away, and they think of them in, in this light, that he is the one, this Krishna. He is Hari. Hari is a name for God, also. But they don't think of him as God, of course. They think of him as their friend, as their son, as their lover, as their bhava may dictate. And he reciprocates accordingly. But they refer to him as Hari, although he is God. Their compact of love with him has caused him to forget that he's God and caused him to forget it also, making possible these types of intimate relationships that the Braj is known for. Intimacy of friendship, intimacy of, of romantic love, intimacy of, of parental love, and so forth. To have this kind of uh, intimacy with ultimate reality, this is inconceivable. We took a drive yesterday to get some apples. It's an old orchard that was abandoned. We used to go to every year we went this year, but somebody had gotten there before us. At any rate, we drove on to the ocean, which isn't far. It's only about 10 miles from here. And it's very awe-inspiring to arrive there and see the ocean and the big rocks on the shore and so forth. And Hannah was accompanying us, and she said, Oh, it's, it's, the world is so beautiful. And I said, yes, and you think that all of this, what must the person behind it be like? We talked more on the philosophical points, questions came up and so forth, and and we came around to this, that that the idea of Gaudiya Vaishnavism is that that, that, that person who, who we are experiencing in different ways, whether consciously or unconsciously, that is, that is reality, Krishna, that it's possible to, to have such intimate that the reality could make such an appearance that we could relate to ultimate reality just like a friend, just like a lover, just like you do, like you think about your son or your daughter. Now you're preoccupied with inconceivable. This is what Gaudiya Vaishnavism is about. This is where what it what it culminates in that type of uh, intimacy with the absolute, and in that intimacy, the fact that. Krishna is, is what he is, is obscured such that this intimacy can take place. Because as I've many times said, if you knew he was God, then you'd say, oh my God, and they would, some distance would be created. Nonetheless, they do like to refer to him as Hari, which is a name for God, well-known name for Narayan, 
But why? Not because he's God, but because Hari means he who steals, and he has stolen away their hearts. So they like to think of him as if for what he is. He's stolen my heart. He's completely taken my heart. I'm in love with him. Hari, what to do? I'm helpless now. He's taken every. He's taken my heart. It means he's taken everything. So Govardhan, Radha referred to him as Hari Das Bardia, the best of Hari's servants. And then she went on to explain how Krishna and Balram and their friends they go and they sport on Govardhan with their calves and cows and Govardhan provides all types of. Uh, fulfills all the desires of Krishna and his friends. There are palm trees growing there, and when the wind comes, they may offer themselves as a fan. There are waterfalls, offer their waters for bathing. There's that uh, kusha grass and durva grasses growing there for that's all used regularly in ritualistic worship and so forth. There are mango trees giving mango juice and other types of fruits, flowers, all types of worshipable paraphernalia. This Giriraj, Govardhan the hill, is giving to Krishna. Caves providing place out to, to take rest. Nice trees growing on him that he's nourishing. These mountains are very powerful, you know. You go and see a beautiful mountain, you think what how much life that mountain is supporting. The trees, the animals there, insects, everything. It's very uh, inspiring. I always like that big Mount Rainier in Seattle, if you've ever been to see him. Drive on the highway a little bit and he shows himself. And I just think, oh, he's a give, such a giver. So much he's supporting life. There's a name for Narayan, actually. That's, I forget the Sanskrit, but something like, like a mountain. Similar with mountain. Dara, who holds up who gives support. Krishna liked to ask Madhu Mangal, his friend, in the morning, to say to sing the name of Radha, but he can't do that in public, at the house of Mother Yasoda. So he asked his parrot to sing some verse about Narayan. And the parrot can't repeat everything that Krishna's asked, but in the course of what he's at, the mantra he's asked him to repeat, it includes this word for Narayan that means mountain, the second half of which is Dara, 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 Dara. So it turns out all the parrot can say is Dara, 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 Dara. And if you keep saying Dara, Dara, of course it turns to Radha, Radha, Radha. This way, Krishna is very fond of hearing Radha Nam, although he is the support of everyone. He is getting support from her, from his Shakti, bringing him to life making him dance. Ami, uh, he says, Amar Guru Radhikar Prem Guru Ami Shishonata. The Prem of Radha, the love of Radha is my Guru and I am her dancing disciple. So she has said something. She knows about worshipping Krishna, about pleasing Krishna. She said something very nice about this Giriraj. So much she's praised him. The context, of course, is that these gopis are together and singing and thinking of how they can get Krishna's association. They heard from Gargi, the daughter of Garga, Gargamuni, the Rishi, about the history of Govardhan, 
how the hill Govardhan came to the Vrindavan area and settled there, and what a prestigious thing it was for them in their village. This is just a, ostensibly just a remote village. But this very prestigious mountain, it's a long story, but was transferred by circumstance via one sage from the Himalayas, the most prestigious mountaintop in the Himalayas, to Vrindavan. When he was traveling over Vrindavan, it was a, it's a long story, but he agreed to go with the sage as long as the sage agreed that wherever you put me down to rest, then I'll stay there. I won't move any further. Mountains are not so much prone to moving. <laughs> and it is troublesome <laughs> to move. We have to take that trouble a little bit to move, to be flexible, to progress in spiritual life. The whole brudge is moving like a nomadic tribe following the cow's needs. That's how they came from Gokul across the Jamuna to settle in Vrindavan where Govardhan was. Govardhan means go, cows, Vardhana, nourish, to nourish the cows. So many grasses and uh, uh, pasture land and so forth. This is Govardhan. Nourishing the cows means nourishing the life of Vrindavan. We have to be on the go. <laughs> but not on the go. Go means senses also. To be on the go means to just be busy, 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 following the dictates of the mind and senses. On this go, we should be following the cows. How do we follow the cows? To be givers, like the cows are givers. But who will protect us if we just give all the time? I mean, comparatively, what they take, a little grass, compared to what they give, we cannot, we can, there is no comparison. For a little grass, they're giving milk and butter and ghee and yogurt and curd, and from that you can make so many things. Even from that, that cow dung, you can make, you can cook with that, you can make a house out of that, you can heal wounds, it has antiseptic quality what, for a little grass. So what they give compared to what they take, there's no comparison. Therefore, they're just givers. We should follow the cows, we should be givers. This is the idea. And who will protect us? we give all the time. If we're not looking out for number one, as they say, <laughs> that is Gopal, who protects the cows. This Govardhan Lila serves to establish this point in Vrindavan. So we tell the story that will unfold. But Giriraj came along with the, in the pact, in agreement with the sage, but if wherever you place me down, then I'll, st I'll stay there. So when he came over the Brudge area, the Brindaban, this king of mountains saw something very wonderful. They thought, I want to settle there. And it happened by consequence that the force of nature caused the sage to have to answer the call of nature also. So for a moment he put the Giriraj down, and then when he went to pick him up, then Giriraj wouldn't, wouldn't budge from that place. Hmm. So all this, there's a long history to this, but the... Gargamuni knows that. He told it in Gargasamhita, long story, glorifying Giraj Govardhan. And from the daughter of Gargacharya, Gargi, then these gopis, they heard about all the glories of Govardhan. They were thinking, we are so much honored, just cow people that we are, insignificant people, as they thought of themselves. And this great, prestigious mountain top from Himalayas has come, and he's resided here in, in, in the Braj like one of us. And like one of us, he's in love with Krishna also. Giving so much to Krishna that we cannot compare how many other devotees, every devotee is giving to Krishna, but see everything that Govardhan supplies. 
and they're thinking he supplies, fulfills all the desires of Krishna, who's a cowherd. So he has certain desires, and this hill is very suitable for fulfilling those needs, and the needs of his friends, who are also cowherds. And they're thinking, maybe he'll fulfill our needs too. And our need is to have some confirmation that Krishna loves us. This hasn't occurred yet in the Leela. They love Krishna. They sense that Krishna loves them, but they haven't met and their love has not been acknowledged between them. So their hearts are pining like this and they're hoping that Giriraj Govardhan, this hill, after all, he's fulfilling Krishna's desires, desires of Krishna's friends, so maybe he fulfill our desire too. He stands in Vrindavan, towering above everything. There's nothing that he doesn't see. He knows everything. So he must know how much we love Krishna. And he must know that Krishna really loves us. We think he does. He will know. We can ask him. Another thing, important point that they're making in glorifying Giriraj Govardhan as the best of Hari's servants is this. This is important for us. That if we really want to love Krishna, we want to know how to love Krishna, how to get Krishna to love us, not just in the way that God loves everybody, but to fall in love with us. That is another thing. If we if we are so audacious to think that we want that, so bold, then the gopis, and Radha in particular, is telling us, we should go to a Haridas, Barja. We should go to someone who is a real servant of Hari. They are teaching us by this verse that if you want to know Krishna, you have to find a devotee of Krishna, a real devotee of Krishna. Then there is a possibility. This is the system. You see, the Leela is full of instructions like this, important to us. Gopis are saying it. Some devotee, a towering devotee, a devotee of towering stature, whose head is above the modes of material nature and can see things as they are. That kind of company, that is essential. And in the language of Sridhar Maharaj, very poetically, home-going requires a home-knowing person. Some of us had the good fortune to meet such a person in the person of Srila Prabhupada, whose disappearance day we are also celebrating today. So we are reminded of him in this, in this connection. He was this person of small stature, but he grew to a very big size. Sridhar Maharaj said, I knew him before he went to America. He used to come and sometimes we would, I lived at his house in Calcutta for six years. He had a, another apartment and I stayed there. He was very unassuming. Sometimes uh, he would come to uh, later to Siddhartha's moth and just live in a straw hut there a few days to visit. Very simple. But he came to America he became a giant. Not materially speaking, but a giant in the, in the field of, of devotion. Like Giriraj, he's a big hill, but not big enough to cover all of Vrindavan. When the rains of Indra came, as we'll hear, Krishna picked up the Govardhan hill and everybody went underneath. So how could they all fit underneath? Of course, the whole idea of measuring has to be thrown out the window when we're talking about spiritual life. Maya also means to measure. That is an illusion. To try to bring everything within the grasp of the, the fist of your intellect, that's not possible. What speak of bring everything, to bring one part of anything, of everything, one atom fully, is impossible. Infinite everywhere. This is reality. So how everyone fit under there? 
Oh, when Giriraj, when Krishna touched Govardhan with his finger, he just tickled, he just tickled in ecstasy and he expanded in ecstasy. So by ecstasy one can grow. This is what Chiramarsh meant. He became a big man in ecstasy. At least it manifested in a big way. We know how he got it, that power to do what he did, Prabhupada. He sang about it, he wrote about it, crossing the, crossing the ocean. He wrote a prayer, he entitled it, A Prayer to Lord Krishna. In that prayer he negotiated with Krishna. He said, oh, Krishna, my dear friend. The fact of the matter is that if Radharani is pleased with you, then your life will become successful. I'm telling you this. This is for sure. Now, it just so happens, he said, that my Gurudev, Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, is very dear to Radharani, one of her eternal companions. And she has given me a duty to come to the Western world and deliver the message of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Now, as I've said, your life will become fortunate if Radharani is pleased with you. And I think, therefore, that you should give me the power to do Radharani's bidding here in the Western world. And that that will be good for you. Then your life will become successful. As we can see, this kind of bargaining with Krishna certainly uh, gets his attention. He said, oh, you know that. You're a true Godia. You know that my heart has gone to Radha. Take the power. Take the Shakti. Shaktyavesh. Take the power. Hare Krishna neti mantena pashyatya prachatarene. What is that? came from Chaitanya Saraswatamat, this glorification of our Prabhupada, who was empowered by Krishna to distribute Hare Krishna Paschatya Prachatarane, not just in the Western world, but in the Eastern world also, all over the world. He became big in this way, by Shakti. Krishna Shakti Vine Nahi. This cannot go on successfully, be distributed without the shakti, the power of Krishna. It's not just a marketing strategy or something like that. What is the force? You probably used to say in its language, purity. This is the force. Purity of heart. So he expanded, like Giriraj, touched by Krishna, expanded in ecstasy, and covered the whole of the brudge, and everyone could fit underneath him. And not a drop of rain fell on anybody, even though Indra sent the most powerful rains at his, uh, from his heavenly kingdom. To so that Haridas, who's a towering figure, Iriraj Govardhan, Haridas, why, the best of Krishna's servants. Uh, we are no another best of Krishna's servants in the form of Prabhupada, who expanded himself by the Shakti of Krishna to be able to, as it was predicted about him by an astrologer in his youth, Build a house in which the whole world could live. This person has the power to build a house in which the whole world can live. We have to connect with that power. Then we can all live happily ever after. So Giriraj Govardhan, he's a resident there of Vrindavan, and the gopis are so proud to think, Giriraj has come and settled here, king of hills. See our Vrindavan taking pride in their homeland like this. And Radha prayed, as Mahaprabhu was saying, that Giridharu offering all these worshipable items. Now you might note the fact that 
When we do the puja, seva puja to Krishna, ritualistic worship, we offer argya, madhuparka, achman, padya, pushpa, all these things. Idam argyam kriyam krishnayanama, idam padyam kriyam krishnayanama, idam esha madhuparka kriyam krishnayanama, or with, with mantra, we do this ritualistic worship. This all symbolic representation of Krishna Lila. This is the land that between matter and spirit is a combination of both. Spiritual substance making an appearance such that it's we can get a handle on that elusive nature of ultimate reality from our material side. This ritualistic worship of the Godias of Krishna, this is a special kind of ritualistic worship. And as I say, it's symbolic of the whole Leela. So that worship that we do at Arati, for example, or the sacred bath, or offering these items as we do in the morning in our puja, this is all going on in Golok, in the Leela, just taking a different form. This is one example. Giriraj Govardhan is offering the Argya, the Madhuparka, the fan, flowers, garland, bath water, fruits, roots, and uh, and such things that grow naturally there, all offering to Krishna. Gopis are seeing this Seva Puja going on when they look at Giriraj Govardhan and Krishna and Balaram and his friends entering onto Govardhan, herding their cows. They're like watching Artik taking place in the Seva Puja, singing a song while the Puja is going on. So this kind of ritualistic worship, this is very different from the kind of ritualistic worship that Krishna dismissed in the Govardhan Leela. As irrelevant, waste of time. So we should distinguish between the two. This is a major point brought out in this Leela. In this Leela of Krishna's lifting of Govardhan Hill, it's established by Krishna himself that he is the uh, the god of the gods, if you will. Previously, he showed something to Brahma, even more special. He showed Brahma, I'm the source of Narayan. In Govardhan, Lili doesn't go quite as far, but establishes, at, in the very least, for to, for to, the, to the philosophical eye and ear, that he, he is, in the language of Prabhupada, the supreme personality of Godhead. Or that he, well, that, it, that he's God, not one of the many gods or goddesses, but God, God Himself, worshipable by the gods. That he's worshipable by Narayan. That he also showed in Braj to Brahma, in the Brahma Vimohan Lila, Krishna showed that by manifesting innumerable Narayans from Himself. Four-headed Brahma could had a lot to take in on that day. On this day of the Govardhan Puja, Govardhan Lila, he showed something to Indra who is the chief of the gods. He showed that you're nothing. <laughs> In relation to me, you're nothing. Indra himself has said it, so it's not our sectarian opinion, but Indra himself at the end of the Leela crowned Krishna as Govinda, Upendra. In some Puranas it's given the name Upendra. In Bhagavatam the name Govinda. It means the same thing. Upendra. Upendra means a big Indra. Indra means chief, chief of the gods. And Upendra means, can mean a big Indra, above Indra. <laughs> and Govinda means the same thing. Because Go means cows. 
And if you do, maybe you don't know, but all the Vedic mantras, they're all cows. <laughs> you didn't know. All the Vedic mantras written in the Vedas, they manifest also in Goloka. Trigunya Vishaya Veda, Nistrigunya Babarjuna. Krishna says in the Gita, you should transcend the Vedas. They deal mostly with uh, the three gunas, world within the three gunas, material life. You should transcend that. Trigunya Vishaya Veda, Nistrigunya Babarjuna. Rise above that. Come to Goloka. But Goloka is so transcendental. The Vedas have an appearance there also. They also have some place there. They're also ruling. But as cows they are manifest. All those Vedic mantras appearing in the form of cows. It's a very mystic land. One point I should make to you. These Leelas are fantastic stories in one sense. But it's not that they were written long ago by people who were naive and didn't have modern sensibilities like we do today to know that they are they're just stories. Maybe you could drive some point from that, but otherwise they're just stories. They don't, they don't have any... They're not on the non-logical uh, reality that one can actually experience. No. These are charters who wrote about these things, commented on the Bhagavatam, for example, in Gaudi Sampada hundreds of years ago. They also knew people will think that's a bit fantastic. And they've written like this in their commentaries. You might find this to be a little fantastic. It's not that they just didn't... Th they were naive, and, and so far they just believed in these, these myths, and now we're more educated than we know. that Those are just only stories. They want to stress the point to us that there's something more than maya shakti, the energy that's driving us in this world. That's swarup shakti, that governs the lila. That is another thing. And all possibilities lie there under its influence. That's not so hard. To, not such a stretch. Even the Maya Shakti is quite fascinating, mystical. And great devotees look at it in that way. My goodness. Like Prabhupada once told me, I was a young man at the time. I had just taken sannyas at 25 years old. Now I'm 56 this year. I was sitting with Prabhupada in New York, and he, had, he was sitting in the 11th floor of a of a uh, the building that was in Manhattan that was uh, owned by the devotees at that time. Prabhupada had the 11th floor and he was sitting there and I was sitting with Prabhupada and he said to me, and I had just taken sannyas maybe a few months before, he said, Triparati Maharaj, have you seen the New York women? <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking, now, oh, what is he talking about? <laughs> have I seen, is he testing me here? Or have I seen the New York women? Before I could answer, he said, they're so beautiful. <laughs> just see and he went on talking about the New York women and then as he talked he said and he glorified them and so forth he said and just see and by their influence all these men are running around and working so what and all these buildings are going up like this the whole city is growing he said this is Vishnu Maya <laughs> fascinating <laughs> this is how he was looking at the world hmm Vishnu Maya is also fascinating. We, we take things for granted in the world. But if we weren't accustomed to it and grow up to think about it like that it's normal, why would we think that it's normal, that a big redwood can come out of a little seed? Such a big, huge tree, that's mystical. How will it fit in there? You see? If you weren't accustomed to that, and I said, this big tree, it fits inside here. He said, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, that's a nice story, but there's no way. We become accustomed to that and so many things. It's actually all a great mystery how it works. We try to reason about it as far as we can, only to frustrate ourselves. The whole world is just a mind bender. <laughs> and, and, and there's a purpose in that. Take us, take us beyond the mind, so limited as it is. Take us beyond intellect that we can touch the self and what possibilities that, that lie there. Fascinating. The spiritual life comes to offer us that opportunity. We shouldn't dismiss it because we don't find it as, as reasonable as whatever, the New York Times or something. Or as real as the political problems that we're, we're suffering from and so forth. Oh, in this Leela, under the influence of Surup Shakti, like all of Krishna's Leelas are, he established himself as the, the god of gods. Indra gave him the name Gobinda. Go means cows. These cows are all Vedic verses, actually. They're all worshipable. Who worships the cows? means who worships the Vedas. Who uh, gives pleasures to the cows? Cows are like the gods of Goloka. It's called Goloka. Go means cow. It means a place of cows. It's the whole livelihood of the whole place. Krishna is Gopal, who takes care of the cows. So this is another way of saying Upendra. And as much as the cows are also thought of as gods, it's said that, that all the different demigods are represented in different parts of the cow. This is a fascinating idea. So Upendra, Gobinda, it actually means the same thing. Who's above Indra? Who's the god of gods? This name was given to him. He was coronated at the end of the whole Leela by Indra himself. So Krishna establishes himself in this way, and in doing so, he, as I mentioned, dismisses the kind of ritualistic worship of Indra that the cowherds were taking up. A kind of a mindless ritual, if you will. Not that they're mindless, but these great devotees, but this is Leela. And we're being taught to that. You know that this Govardhan Leela appears at the, in the month of Kartik. This is the month of Kartik. It's also called the Damodar month. This Leela, this custom amongst the inhabitants of Vrindavan of worshipping Indra at this time had been going on for a, for a long time without memory. Krishna had experience of it early in his life and he had a bad experience of that. You know the story. This is the Damodar Leela. This is the month of Damodar. This, that means Damodar is the Leela in which Krishna steals butter, breaks the butter pot, and his mother chases after him and ties him up and traumatizes him. Hmm? <laughs> Why did that happen? There's a number of reasons, but one of the reasons is because everybody, even all the maidservants of Jashoda, were all busy arranging for this yagya, the sacrifice for Indra, for the worship of Indra, that comes at this time of the year in the Braj. They, they, they are cowherd people, and they thought, we need rain, so we can get grasses, so the cows can be nourished, and we can flourish. So we should offer some puja, some yagya to the god of rain, Indra. So every year they had this big yagya, and they would go and gather so much paraphernalia and, and offer it. So everyone was busy with this, and Mother Yashoda was home alone with her darling Krishna. And she was boiling milk on the stove. This was special milk that had been gathered from special cows from Nanda's herd that had been grazed on special grasses. Because at this time in the Leela, Krishna was stealing out even on his all fours 
and being found in other people's houses, neighboring houses. And the neighbors were complaining, your child is coming here and stealing our butter and yogurt. And they liked it very much, but they complained about it. Hmm? <laughs> Anything to talk about Krishna. And Mother Yashoda was thinking, tells her, her husband, Nanda, what kind of coward are you? You can't even raise cows that give sweet enough milk to keep our son at home. He's going to the neighbors, and you're the king of the whole cowherds. So, all right, all right. He says, I'll get some special cows from the herd. I'll get special grasses and graze them. And from that milk, then you boil that and make it into sweets and yogurt and butter and so many to keep him at home. So she was cooking this kind of milk on the stove. Krishna's sleeping. So he woke. She went to nurse him. He's home alone, just with Krishna. The milk, that special milk, started to boil over. What did she do? She put Krishna down, went to the milk. Krishna thought, you're putting me down, I want to be nursed, and you're going to the stove, what is this? So he crawled off in, 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 into the cupboard, and he uh, climbed up on a stool, and he broke the pot where the butter was being kept, and he took it and he was giving it to the monkeys, and, and Mother sort of looking for him, where did he go? And he followed the trail of his footprints and the butter, and caught up with him, and he saw her, and then he began to run, and she began to run after him. They grabbed a, a stick to, to try to catch him. She couldn't catch him. But when he realized, oh, she's afraid I'm going to run away and not come back, that's why she's so determined. She doesn't really want to chastise me, but she's afraid I'm going to run away. Then he allowed himself to be caught. And it's a long story, of course, how she took a, a bow, a ribbon from her hair and tried to tie him up. But the ribbon was two inches too short. And meanwhile, the neighboring ladies are looking over the wall at this point, hearing the commotion and very much charmed by all of this. You need two inches here, some rope. They threw her some rope. She tied the rope to the, to the ribbon. Still, it was two inches too short. And more rope and more rope and more rope. And it was still two inches too short. She made a great effort perspiring at the brow, and when Krishna saw oh, such effort, then he allowed himself to be tied. And with the original ribbon, he could be tied up. So, this is a long story, of course, another Leela. Krishna was tied up, and some friends came, and he created mischief even while tied up, and two great big trees, he had a mortar that he was tied to, he forced it between two trees, and they crashed in the courtyard. And then so many people came, at the sound of the trees crashing, and and so on, and and Nanda Maharaj, his father, came. What's this? What is it? Why is he tied up? And what have you done? Mother Soda ran into her house and closed in the bed and started crying and closed the door. And Krishna said, I don't want to see her anymore. Yes, she tied me up like this. And Nanda Maharaj said, I'll give you some milk. I put some sugar candy in that and make it sweet because you won't suckle her breast now. And keeping. Of them. Rohini said, oh, we, uh, it's like a secondary mother. The mother of Ram came. Oh, why don't you go and see your mother? No, I don't want to see her. <laughs> After some time, of course, finally he acquiesced and he ran in. Mommy! <laughs> <laughs> the whole story was told. And, but this was a dramatic experience for Krishna. He didn't entirely understand why his mother was chasing him, how he was tied up. And, and as he grew up, then, he became aware this winter worship is taking place every year at this time. And when he asked his father about, what is this kind of worship that you're all doing? When he's old enough to ask, rather than just on all, all fours, father began to tell him about the importance of worshiping Indra and so forth. And, and Krishna thought, that's that guy. 
<laughs> on account of him, I was experienced, you know, a, a trauma in my childhood. Hmm? I, I'm traumatized by this. I need a, a psychotherapist or something to work work out these problems. But he was smart enough to deal with it himself, and, <laughs> and so he challenged his father. What kind of? Why are you doing this worship? What's the system for this? Where does this come from? Does this come in any Guru Parampara? Is there any scripture for this, or is this just some? some uh, custom that's been taken up. Father said, ah, oh, we've been doing it for a long time, you know. Yeah, he's the god of rain, so we worship him, and, uh, and I don't know. So this kind of worship, this kind of ritual, Krishna's saying in the Govardhan Lila, we don't, we don't interested in that. Why should we worship God for, for rain? He has much more to offer than that. This is the idea. So there are many people engaged in this type of ritual for God. Well, give me rain, give me money, give me good wife, give me good husband, put food on the table. And in India, this is the really the dominant sector. Like in any religious tradition, the dominant sector are going to be people who are not really interested in the, in what I would call experiential spiritual life, but they have a religious orientation rather than a, a spiritual orientation to a tradition. They get caught up in the rituals and they want God to provide for them and they, they color their human life with concern for God, but they remain on the center stage. You understand? They're on the center stage and God is in the balcony. <laughs> One of Prabhupada's godbrothers was preaching in Europe many, many years ago before Prabhupada ever came to the West and he was in, I believe, in, in Germany and he went to a was invited to a... A drama by some Christians, and they had a, a theistic drama. And um, God was in the balcony, and every now and then He came out and said, "Bless you," you know, <laughs> or He came out and said, "Condemn you," like that. <laughs> that was His role. And so afterwards, they asked Him what He thought, and He said, "It's very nice and having a religious play and everything, but only the problem is that, uh, from our point of view, you have kept God in the balcony only. In, in our tradition, He's on the center stage. Krishna's becoming the son of Yashoda." The lover of Radha, the friend of Sridham, the center stage, not in the bal- not in the background only. This is a revolutionary theistic idea. So Krishna was concerned that, uh, to teach a lesson that this kind of worship. He says it in the Gita also, but here it's played out in the Leela. This kind of worship is more or less a waste of time. Majority of people, as I say, will have this kind of orientation. It's not a bad thing. It can be bad, though, if you think that's the be-all and end-all of, of, uh, of spiritual life. Then it can become an impediment to actual spiritual experience, to entering into transcendence, to knowing yourself. We may think we need things based on our conception of self, be noble enough to approach God for that, but the real lesson to learn is that we don't need anything. The need, the want, the desire, that's a problem, that's a confusion. That's the result of identifying with matter. It's not a reality. And now, to, you know, just to employ God in that, in our illusion, to facilitate it, this is a kind of a lower idea, religious as it may be. Unless it's seen in context, in the greater context, it won't be progressive. There is a place for that. Something's better than nothing. If we come under the rule of, of Scripture of God, we live a religious life. If we come under the idea that virtue is more important than pleasure and power, or pleasure and security, 
These are the gunas. Tamagun means just to pleasure yourself. It may not be a bad thing, but it's not going to call your spiritual progress either. It might get in the way of it because you just become addicted to pleasuring yourself in whatever way and, and the illusion that that's going to fulfill you at some point. Mm-hmm. Some pleasure has to be there. <laughs> we have to pleasure ourselves to some extent. That's a fact. Even the monk has to eat, have some shelter. We should try to pleasure ourselves in a way and get sec- that's tamagun and security, power, rajaguna, <coughs> in such a way that it will foster uh, a life of virtue, which alone fosters a transcendent life. Virtue is the quality of sattva. Power, security, that is the, vir- the influence of raja. And pleasure of the senses, that is the, the influence of, of rajas. So we should try to live a virtuous life, a life that calls our spiritual progress and to be a little different for everybody. Everyone's constituted a little differently of rajas, tamas, and sattva. This requires real, uh, to be thoughtful, to be intelligent. Hmm? We have a forum on the internet that friends and students of mine converse on. One fellow was talking about eating chocolate, whether it was good to eat chocolate or not. And then some responses came and so forth. And and then in the course of that, he said something like, yeah, I find myself like just wanting to be like, be told everything that I'm supposed to do and follow the herd uh, to be a follower. So that's a little scary now that I think about it. And I wrote, and I hadn't commented yet, but I wrote on that. I said, I said yes, that's more, much more scary than eating chocolate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Spiritual life is not for letting somebody do the thinking for you. Don't think like that. It's not a way to get out of being thoughtful. It's about being most thoughtful. It's not black and white. There's a lot of gray, and you have to exercise that gray matter <laughs> in between your ears. Understand properly how to proceed in different instances. And, and I, I think you have intelligence, so you can make those decisions. And if you make a big mistake, then it'll be apparent, and we deal with that. You can make those decisions. Be essence seekers. This is the idea. And this is what Krishna is teaching in this Leela also. Just this moronic kind of worship that the Nanamar says, I don't know why we do it. We, just do it. we need rain. So, but do we need rain? What do we need? Do we need food? We can have a mountain of food and hunger will never go away. No, we need to nourish the self. We need to be spiritual experiencers. We need to know that the human experience is one that affords us the opportunity by good, through good association to transcend the limits of humanity, the needs so-called needs of humanity. This is the whole problem. Need, perceived need. Gradually we have to wean ourselves from that by getting real nourishment. This harikata, this is meant to bring us that, help us with that. So Krishna asked his father, what kind of worship is this? What are you doing? He said, oh, we do this by custom to get rain. And Krishna reasoned with him, that's not a good idea. Why should you do that? He spoke actually wonderful uh, philosophy different ideas, different philosophical systems, Nyaya and uh, the Sankhya, and from all these different points of view, he said, well, you're wasting your time worshipping Indra. And finally, his father, as a set of affection, said, okay, well, whatever. What should we do then? You're so smart. What should we do? Hmm? Krishna said, well, look, if you, know, if you really want to sustain yourself and you're interested in that, then worship Govardhan Hill because the hill is providing everything for the cows and we're coward people. So, 
If you want to worship someone you perceive as a provider, then worship Govardhan, this hill. So it sounds kind of silly, but, you know, Nanamar says, okay, he's just charmed by the fact that his son is speaking philosophy. This boy, he was just crawling a few days ago. <laughs> now he's speaking philosophy. doesn't matter what he says. <laughs> he's just, just <laughs> completely fascinated and charmed by him. Krishna was even preaching atheistic philosophy and so forth. Just, oh, my son is speaking philosophy. All right, anyway, we'll do what you want. What do you want? Parents are like that, right? Okay, well, what do you want to do? Hmm? So Krishna gave that, we worship the hill. Okay, we worship the hill. Okay, come on, we worship the hill. That's what you want to do? Like a father would with his son, kind of going along with him. But actually, of course, this is Leela, so it is a very profound thing that's taking place, this worship of the hill. And Krishna he said, well, how should we worship? What do you think? And Krishna said, oh, I said, bring olive, pakoras, samosas, rice, curries, all these things. Stack it up, big piles of this. Everybody in the village, cook, cook. And offer it all to Govardhan. So this is very nice because what's really taking place in this, one of the things, as you can see there are many, that Krishna is saying, God is more accessible, actually, than sometimes Scripture makes it out to be. If you really look carefully at Scripture, you see that it's saying that he's very accessible. He's saying, this Govardhan is close to us. Why not worship something close to us, something dear to us? Why think of something up there? Let's think about the here and the now. <laughs> What's practical for us? And in this Leela, what happened, they agreed with him. So they brought a buck, they say, they say like, uh, uh, not carloads, but bullock loads of chapatis and rice and they were good cooks everybody there they brought so much food and they offered it to Govardhan this is like a you see this is like not a sophisticated ritual Krishna's kind of like making up as he goes along here just stack all these chapatis up like this make a mountain of rice and just offer it like that with your heart just with your heart offer it you know the swaha this swaham here and you got that <laughs> hmm? That's for those sophisticated religious people who think that God is at a distance. I think he's close. Close to us, close to home, providing our necessities, our livelihood. And if God's not like that, who cares about him then? It's the kind of God I want. <laughs> so make a mountain of food and just offer it with your heart, like this. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he took a stone from Govardhan Hill. He used to worship that stone. He used to rub it on his head like this. And he used to bathe that with his tears. He gave that stone to Raghunathas. He told him how to worship. He said, you bring some uh, flowers from the Tulsi and some water from the Ganges and offer with your heart. To worship the Shaligram, that's another kind of stone manifestation of the Ryan. You have to do so many things. All this hum ha hum swa Be very careful. Hmm? Don't make any mistakes and so forth. We have a problem now in that regard because Nanda Tanuja, who, who couldn't stay for the whole festival, brought all of the boga for the festival and probably for a few more festivals also out of his generosity. He drove all the way up from San Jose to drop it all off and then he had to go back because of work. He left just before we began to discuss. He said, Gurmaraj, for some time I've, I've got this, I've got a problem. I don't know what to do with it. So I brought my problem to you. I said, well, you know, that's typical. <laughs> and out of the bag, he pulled his problem, and it was a big shila, shaligram shila, with his mouth open like this. 
roaring like Narasimha, that half man, half lion, ferocious manifestation of Narayan. He said, this was given to me a long time ago, and I just keep him, but I'm thinking, you know, I don't know how to worship him, and I don't have a fitting set, fit setting, and so I'm thinking I should give him to you. So I said, yeah, you want to give your problems to me. This, uh, okay. so, luckily, I knew what to do, because Sri Ramarsh, my Shiksha Guru, had a problem like this once, too. You may know the story. There were some godbrothers of his who had this Nashinga Shila, and they were worshiping him, and there was... Uh, there were some problems coming. Whoever they passed, they passed it on, and they were thinking they weren't pleasing him in some way. Mm-hmm. So they ended up giving it to, to, to Sridhar Maharaj. And so he took it into his moth in, in monastery and incorporated it into the worship. And he did some research, and he found in one of the Puranas that this Nishringa very much likes Param Anna, means sweet rice. It's his favorite. So he made an arrangement every day at noon to offer the sweet rice, and he never had any problem. So... <laughs> I thought, okay, Bhagavan the Singha had come here, we have to make sweet rice somehow every day, and we have to offer that. <laughs> and of course, Bhakti Vinod has written some very nice prayers glorifying this Nasinga in light of Braj Bhakti and how he can help us to attain that. You know, Nasinga, he landed after he killed Haranyakasipu in Navadvip. He settled there for a while, which is the place of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So, some very nice verses in Bengali, beautiful verses. It won't take you to Vaikuntha, but it will take you to Goloka hmm. with the Nishingadev chasing everybody who is in opposition to that away. So Krishna, he told them, worship like this, not like they worship in Vaikuntha. And we'll have to worship Nishinga, something like that too. In light of that, we'll offer him the sweet rice. That's all we can do. And our heart, and a prayer, Please remove any impediment in our lives for becoming eternal associates and servants of Radha and Krishna. He used to keep that stone of Govardhan. And what kind of bathing ceremony did he do? Bathed with his tears, as I said. He gave to Raghunathas, told him to just offer water of the Ganges, some leaves, buds, flowers from the Tulsi. Give your whole heart to him. This is Rag Marg. What Krishna is teaching in, in the, this Govardhan Leela, this kind of worship, where ostensibly you don't give as much externally, but in reality you're giving fully of your heart. It creates a kind of intimacy that Braj Leela is all about. So he said, just make stack up these chapatis and just put piles of rice and all over there and make that your offering. And so they did. And meanwhile, Indra was thinking, what is going on in these people? They've been worshipping me every year like this. And now they've decided to give up this worship based on the, their infatuation with their son? What kind of religious adherence is this? That they'll give up the religious rituals just on the whims of being attached to their son? And what nonsensical things a young child, a seven-year-old boy can say? I'm Indra chief of the gods. These people need to worship me, otherwise I won't uh, give them the necessities. In fact, I'm going to teach them a lesson. So he decided, he brought his, he called for the clouds and said, go there and send a rainstorm like you've never seen before. Meanwhile, they go over there having a good time in Vrindavan, offering all this food to to, to the hill and then circumambulating a leading bull and then circumambulating the whole of the hill with bullock carts going round and round, having a festival and 
And in this festival, Krishna's, uh, there's a chance for gopis to bump into Krishna here and there, exchange glances with him, some slight acknowledgement. I feel about you the way you feel about me. Don't tell anybody. Keep moving. <laughs> <laughs> like this. So they were fully absorbed in, in, in this kind of festive worship that Krishna created of Govardhan Hill. And then they saw a wonderful thing. The hill assumed a big shape, like a dark shape. And he, he pointed his finger up and like this and he laughed. <laughs> and Krishna said, Now, take this food that's been offered to Giriraj and distribute it everywhere. Give it to everyone. Give it to all the Brahmins. Give it to all the common people. Give it to all the animals. Give it to all the insects. Everyone. Feed everyone. Except for Indra. He was the only one who was not getting anything. Krishna's making a, a point here. So they distributed this prasad everywhere. Meanwhile, the hill took on an extraordinary shape, as I said laughing up and pointing up and laughing. And Indra then just became outraged and sent the rains, torrential rains. And so everyone became a little nervous, Krishna said, don't worry, he lift, <coughs> lifted the hill. How he lifted the hill, we don't know, but he did. Holding it on his little finger, all of his friends put their sticks up, thinking that they were helping him, because they couldn't think, Krishna can't lift that, he's just one of our friends. That's not possible. And Krishna held it like this, with his little finger. And where did he get the power? And why did he lift just with his little finger like this? Because by holding his fist down like this, then he could look at, over at Radharani and no one would know. Hmm? <laughs> and getting her glance, then he got Shakti, power, <laughs> to hold that hill up. <laughs> and that festivity went on, and of course, it was sending rains and lightning and thunder and so forth. And then he asked his assistants, what's going on, what's happening? They came back and said, nobody's even getting wet. <laughs> <laughs> Underneath there were so many inhabitants and some, of course, were already on the hill. What about them? How did Krishna protect them? He lifted it high enough that it went above the clouds and all the deer and all the... It was up above the rain. Nobody got even a drop of rain. He sent more clouds, more lightning. They came back, nothing happening. So he became nervous. So I, nah, he must have made some mistake. Then one Rakshasha came. He wasn't kind of demon and said, Oh, Indra, you are so great, and offered praise to him and so forth. What you've done is this trying to kill all these cows and these people is so great. Then he thought, What's going on? The demons are coming and praising. What have I done? He's a king of heaven, so this heaven can be intoxicating. You can forget how you got there. That's when you come back down again. And Krishna said, let's not do that kind of worship where you go up and you come down, and you go up, and you do pious activities, you get good karma, you go to heaven, your good karma is exhausted, you come back down again, you go up again. This is a roller coaster. Don't do this. This is a waste of time. If you want to worship, worship like this. That will take you to that place upon going, which there's no return, no coming back, no looking back. Go there. So when Indra realized he'd made a great mistake, then he started to become nervous. 
And then he came out to save face amongst his associates. And he said, well, anyway, what's happened here is I just wanted to, I was just playing a little bit. <laughs> but, and I know that this Krishna is, is actually uh, very special and uh, seems to be, you know, like Narayan himself even. And, uh, you know, I didn't really mean to do anything. I knew nothing would happen. I just wanted to teach all of you. This way he tried to save face and... Uh, <laughs> And meanwhile, he was nervous as anything how he was going to rectify the situation. So he went to Brahma. He talked to Lord Brahma. He said, what am I going to do? I've offended Krishna. I didn't realize this is Bhagavan himself. appearing like a in a human-like form and all these things. And Brahma said, hey, I don't know. I can't help you. I, I made offense to him too. You know? It wasn't like you. I didn't try to kill his cows and everything. But... <laughs> But I came there once before, and I created disturbance. I, I kidnapped his calves and his coward friends and by my mystic power to, to see what his power was, and then he showed me power that was inconceivable. And I, I, I was just kind of staying in the background ever since then. And so I don't know what to do for you, but here's one suggestion. He said, you try to kill his cows. How, did, how could you do that? <laughs> he says, you're, you're Indra. I mean, you know better than that. This such is the bewildering nature of uh, desire for power and and uh, position. How degraded we may become under the such influence. We may wake up and realize, what have I done? And for what? This happened to Indra. Happens to us all the time. We should wake up from that. <laughs> don't waste our time in such such pursuits. So he said, look, why don't you go to Surabi, the goddess cow? And maybe she can give me some advice. So he went to Surabi. Brahma went along, tagged along. Thing. Maybe he hear something valuable too. And Surabi said, "Well, look, let's go down there, and we'll then we'll try to rectify the situation. We'll make an make an apology and so forth." So Indra came. The hill had been set back down. Storms receded entirely. Indra came, and Krishna was out playing with his friends, herding and uh, herding cows. And then Krishna noticed, oh, Indra's hovering in the sky with Surabi and Brahma, and Shiva came along too, and so many other gods and, and goddesses. And after all, Indra's the chief of the, of the gods, even though Brahma and Shiva are in a different superior position amongst the heavenly gods, Indra's chief. Brahma and Shiva, anyway, they came along. And then Krishna saw from a distance, and then he thought, oh, I'd make it easy on Indra. He wants to make some apology. Okay. So he said, you, friends, you stay here for a minute. Because to apologize in front of someone's friends is even a little more difficult. <laughs> Krishna makes it easy for us, you see. He's very kind. So he went to a, to a quiet place, and there Indra made his appearance. And Brahma, and Shiva, and Surabi, and Indra began to speak and try to glorify Krishna, and Krishna listened. And uh, Surabi spoke beautiful prayers also. And uh, and Indra wanted to wanted to coronate Krishna as the real Upendra, the chief of Indra, above Indra, the god of the gods. So he gave him a crown, and his elephant made a sacred bath out of his trunk from the water of that, that made a kund, a, a lake. We call it Govinda Kund. Now it's it's there in Vrindavan. You can go there, and uh, and Surabi bathed him with her milk and so forth, and. All the gods gave some present to Krishna. Shiva gave a bamboo flute, and other types of royal paraphernalia were given by different gods. Brahma gave a big lotus, 
and it would always bloom and so forth. Krishna's friends are watching this from a distance. Who are those guys? There's a four-headed guy with her. There's a five-headed guy. There's another guy with eyes all over his body. That's Indra. He's saying all kind of prayers and stuff. There's a cow that talks. There's an elephant that water comes out of his trunk. And they're making fun of the whole whole affair. These are the, the, the workings of the gods. So off they went, the gods, having given all these gifts to Krishna and coronated him as the king of the gods, and flying through the sky, they looked back and they thought, who are those coward boys? What, what, is, what is their position? That they're playing with this. He's the god of gods. Govinda. This is where he got the name Govinda. So the cowards then, they came and said, give me that flute. Give me that lotus. And they were wearing the different ornaments and things, and they went home like this in a partying kind of spirit. And Nandamar said, where do you get all this stuff? Where did this all come from? And Mother Mungo says, Ah, oh, there was a four-headed guy. He came and he was speaking out of all corners of his all, all four mouths. And there was another guy with five heads offering his, covered with ashes. And he was uh, praising, praising Krishna. There was another guy with eyes all over his body, a talking cow. And, <laughs> and they thought, Oh, these, these kids, you know, you, they've got so many stories to tell. And, 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 and then Krishna took the royal pair for the elephant himself and put it on Balaram, dressed him like this. Oh, you should, you should wear this. And this way, the Leela proceeded and all the devotees of Praj, they, they didn't quite understand everything that took place. They just knew that Krishna is wonderful. And the next chapter of Bhagavatam is entitled, Wonderful Krishna. So what happened then is people began to question a little bit. What is all this about? Where did all this stuff come from? What just took place? What happened? And the rains came, and the Christian lifted that hill, and the Govardhan, and then all oh, these gods gave these, or somebody gave these gifts. The kids said the gods gave it. and So Nanda Maharaj, he had a situation on. He's the king of the cows. He had a situation to deal with, so he, he explained to them. It's like this. At the time of Krishna's birth, when we had the name-giving ceremony, that Gargamuni, who was the priest, he said, this boy will do wonderful things by the power of Narayan. That's the way they interpreted his statement, actually. Gargo was actually saying, this boy is non-different from Narayan. But they knew, he can't be non-different than Narayan. He's, he's, we're more attached to him than Narayan. He's better than Narayan. He's sweeter than Narayan. In fact, every time before he was born, Nanda Maharaj and Yasoda, when they thought of having a child, they became bewildered because they had these visions of a child who was more beautiful than Narayan. They thought, that's impossible. How can we go forward with our plan to conceive when we have such a, an impossible idea so he understood Gagamuni's words in a particular way, like this. Oh, that he will get some power from Narayan. He will be able to do wonderful things. He's ordinary, but the power of Narayan will work through him at times. So this way he explained, and everyone was pacified, that they could just love Krishna as they did, as their friend, as their son, as their lover, and so forth. And that through this Leela, then all these wonderful points are established, that Krishna, worship should be given to Krishna. And how should it be given? It should be given with the heart. The rituals that we perform in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, they may seem complicated for a new person, but if you look at them, they're not. They're pretty simple compared to other ritualistic forms of worship and so forth. They're very complex. And the more complex it becomes, the more it gets in the way of the heart, really. Mm. Create some distance. So let this be the center of our approach to worship. We did some ritualistic worship. We bathed the Giriraj stone in milk and yogurt and ghee and all these things. And Hari Nam, the name of Hari, 
was sung. This is real worship. I remember in Vrindavan years ago, some of you may have been there, some of my dear friends, when Prabhupada established the temple of Krishna and Balaram there in 1975. It's the year I, that he gave me sannyas. There was a, the, the townspeople there, all he wanted these rituals to be performed so that they would be we were sure that the deity was actually going to be there. So Prabhupada had all these Brahmins come and they chanted all these mantras and Vedic procedures and so forth. And every now and then there would be a procedure for the Acharya to come out and say something or do something. Prabhupada would come out and put a Tulsi leaf there and go back in his room and so forth. When it was all over, Prabhupada said, really what happened here is because the devotees were doing Harinam, <laughs> Krishna and Balaram appeared, agreed to appear in the form of the deity and accept our worship. And all this other stuff he said. We just did that to pacify the people. What does this have to do with Vrindavan? This is a very high thing, this Vrindavan worship. You know, Sanatana Goswami, once he had a, the experience of meeting an old lady who was cooking kitri for two boys that were coming every morning in Vrindavan. And she used to brush her teeth with a stick and then cook the kitri with it and then go back and <laughs> like that. And he thought, wow, this is not a very sophisticated lady. Sanatana Goswami came from a very sophisticated Brahmin family and so forth, a very highly educated person, although he was living at a mendicant at the time. And he was charmed by the two boys who were taking that kitri, and so he followed them. And he followed them, and finally he was just charmed by them. And they went into a temple, and they disappeared into the temple, into the deity. And he thought, oh, my God, Krishna and Balaram made a, were appearing. So he went back to that lady, and he told her, you have to understand, those two boys, she said, I know, they, they come every morning when I cook. Every morning after I get up, I cook kitchen and they come and I feed them. He said, you can't do it like that. You can't, like, put the stick in your mouth and then put it in. <laughs> you can't worship like that. You have to do this and make a seed and when they come and offer them and a seed and then bathe, bathe first and, and so forth. So she said, oh, okay, okay. You're a learned Brahmin and so so she did all these rituals. The boys came and so forth. And, and, and Sanatana Goswami came again. And there, there was the whole scene. He's watching it. The boys were completely uptight. Completely upset. It's taking so long. You're taking all this time for bathing and everything. And they come. <laughs> and, you know, where's the kitri? <laughs> Sanatana Goswami said, just forget all that. Take the stick. Take a toothbrush. <laughs> mix that kitri. Go on with it. Just go on with it. You could understand, oh, this Krishna is very special. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she had given her heart. Mm -hmm. Somehow, they're appearing like this. Now, that doesn't mean we should neglect so many rules and guidelines, but they have a purpose. They have a purpose to bring out a heart. If they get in the way of that, then we should adjust accordingly. Therefore, the main compensation, divine dispensation for Kali Yuga is Harinam. It's very simple. And there are no rules. How's that? Chant and be happy. And what will happen if you chant sincerely then? Things that will call you progress, that will be useful to you, you'll understand. And you'll make progress. Make this the center. Chant Harinam and associate with advanced devotees. This is our practice. So, we've discussed for some time. Any question? What about Gobran's feast? Is that ready? Yes. 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 So you can uh, assemble the pots and whatever. No, oh, he's already eating. Let's see. Hmm. So any questions? Question at all? Any comment? Yes. I was wondering about um, like when the you know when Indra got all angry and stuff, and I wonder about like the coward people if they were like, oh well, we better next time do the ceremony for Indra, or if they just 
trusted that every time they didn't do it for him that Krishna would put the hill up. And you know, they, 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 they trusted in Krishna. And that was the end of the Indra Yagya mm-hmm. in, in Vrindavan. Difficulties from the storms. Yeah. They experienced that, that and, and this is really the heart of the ritual or all of our practice. It's called Sharanagati, to be a surrendered soul. This is the, this is the, this was established in this Govardhan Leela. The heart, the, the, the mool, the, the, the Swarup Lakshan, Sharanagati is sixfold. To accept things favorable, to reject things unfavorable for bhakti. To think only of Krishna as one's protector. Uh, and think only of Krishna as one's maintainer as well. That's four. And then humility and self-resignation. This is Sadvidha Sharanagati, sixfold Sharanagati. And the, the root of that, the, the, the Swarup Lakshan, the primary principal characteristic of this Sharanagati is Tata, to think only of Krishna as my protector, excuse me, my maintainer. So in, in this Gordon Lila, it's two things, the protector and maintainer. They think that simply by taking shelter of Krishna, we'll be maintained because they thought we would be maintained by worshipping Indra, who will give the rains and then we'll feed our cows, we're coward people and so forth. But Krishna's teaching, no, do Sharanagati to me. Shraddha, faith, the outer expression of Shraddha that gives us eligibility for bhakti is Sharanagati. It manifests like that. That's why Krishna says to Arjuna in Bhagavad Gita, what is the conclusion? Become my devotee, worship me, think of me. And he says, then, then he says, next verse he says, how to do that? With what spirit that should be done? Sarvadharman paritya mamikam sharanam braja. Be a sharanagata. All of the dharmas, forget that. Do this dharma only. Don't worship Indra. That's a certain kind of dharma. You don't have to be concerned about that. No. Just worship me alone. Ekam mamikam sharanam braja. Come to me alone. This is braja. That word braja means to go or to come to me. But uh, the common meaning when we hear braja that comes to mind is braj, brindavan. So by Sanskrit poetry, it can also be taken in that light. Krishna's ending the Gita. He says, surrender, worship me only. And then his mind went to braja, where that's taking place, in that place. So this is the center. This is of the, of the worship. This is the heart of it. Even hearing, chanting, the heart of this is sharanagati. You have to be you to give yourself. And to give yourself in a primary sense is to think, Krishna is, is maintaining me. I don't have to do anything else to be maintained. That will be different, how that will manifest for householder and for a monk. A householder situation is different than a monk. So don't think you cannot be a Sharanagata because you're oh, I'm a householder. I have to work, so someone else is being tending me. No. That is your dharma as a householder. You have to maintain your family by some appropriate livelihood. It's in concert with your world view. But everybody has some fun money. You see? Fun money. After it's all done and the family is maintained, then there's fun money. So you have to spend that for Krishna, for Hari Bhakti. This is the idea. Then you're a Sharanagata. Like Kolabeka Shridhar in Mahabharu's Leela. He worshipped the Ganges and made uh, sold banana leaves as for a living. So the money that he would get to maintain himself from selling banana leaves, which isn't much, he lived pretty simply, he would keep an extra money 
that came from that, the profit extra beyond his needs, he used to worship the Ganges. He's a good example of Sharanagata. So use your fun money in this way, that the Dharma of Mahabhu, Prem Dharma, that may be spread widely, may be given to other people. It is a Goloka Premadhan. It is the Premadhan, the Dhan, the wealth of Goloka, this Namsan Kirtan. Give it to other people. Sriman Gauranga Mahaprabhu ki jai, Gaud Premanande.